When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're celebrating the feast of St. Patrick, a traumatized uh, victim of kidnapping and much more, who followed Jesus and continued to share that love with even his oppressors. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad you're here. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of ages. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Appreciate you reading that. And today is the Feast of St. Patrick of Ireland. He's known for a lot of things. Obviously, all the revelry that is accompanying his commemoration here in the United States and around the world at this point. One of the striking things about his life, there are many, is that he was not born in Ireland. He was not, but we, um, today on St. Patrick's Day, everybody sort of checks in with their percentage of Irish DNA or heritage or some connection to Ireland so they can wear green or something like that. And yet Patrick wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, He was not born in Ireland. He was born in Britain. His father was an important official in the late Roman Empire there and was a deacon, a Christian deacon. We know this because Patrick wrote a book called His Confessions, Um. This was a common, or not that common, a very uncommon thing to do, but there are other examples, notably St. Augustine, his confessions, uh, where he talks about his early life, his meeting Jesus, and his pursuit of what God has called him to do. But Patrick's confessions note this about his father, his family, and in just reading his the account of his confessions, the account of his life that he gives, in Latin, so he had an education to be able to, to write in Latin to that degree. Uh, he constantly returns to his parents. He con- the theme of his parents is woven throughout his confessions. Um, and so we'll, we'll revisit that in a moment. When he was 16, uh, he was working or walking or doing something along the coast of Britain when a band of Irish pirates and kidnappers uh, captured him and a number of other people. This raiding, uh, slavery raiding, was a a uh, way of making money in most of world history, um, even into the modern era, and I'm sure it still happens in places today. But this was very common where Patrick lived, um, and there wasn't much anyone could really do about it, it seems. It seems to happen a lot. 
happens to Patrick twice. Um, yesterday, St. Vincent de Paul had a similar account where he uh, was captured by Barbary pirates from the northern coast of Africa and enslaved for two years. Since then, just a side note, um, I looked up some more stuff on Vincent de Paul's capture by pirates and the historians at the Vincent de Paul Society are doubtful about the story of him, even though uh, the, the account of his capture and escape uh, of Vincent de Paul comes from his own hand, from a letter he wrote, and that's the only account of it. Again, you can look that up on your own. But Patrick, um, his account of is his own account, and it must be true, or at least as true as possible, um, because he really does follow the trajectory of this um, follow tra the trajectory of this initial trauma, traumatic event of his life. Um, he seems to have a pretty good relationship with his family up until this point, but he is carried off um, into enslavement. He is sold to a man who uh, makes him tend his sheep along the coast. And he writes that um, while he is tending these sheep, in this very lonely and boring and cold job, outdoors all day and probably all night, um, they're out in, in Ireland with no one to really care for him or think of him, far from his family, from his homeland. He's had to learn a new language just to survive, as enslaved people often have to do. And while he's doing this, Jesus meets with him and comforts him, and God gives him strength God gives him strength for the trials of his life, the trial of being uh, far from home, a tri the trials of being um, in captivity. This, um, this is his first conversion experience. He says he wasn't really a Christian up until that point. Um, and God really became his father in this time. This theme of parents and father and mother and um, is, is woven through his relationship with God, that as his, he is taken from his parents, God becomes his parent there at age 16. When he's about 21 years old, he escapes. Um, God tells him to escape. He has a dream, a vision of some sort, where God tells him that he's going to have a ship ready for him to get onto the ship. Um, he he leaves his master, he escapes. The penalty for escaping slavery, as you can imagine, is horrific. Um, and so he sets out on the road to go to the ship that is going to bear him back to home. God has told him this is going to be the way it is. He gets to the ship and the ship is about to leave. The ship is there where God told him to go. He, he's about to get on the ship and he yells to the men on the ship. They are pagans. They're not Christians. Um, they are probably similar to the people that captured him and sold him into slavery, but they seem to be maybe from his homeland. And so there's some affinity there. But, he, um, but in this uh, escape, he begs them to take him with him. And they say... Um, and and they say, yeah, we'll take we'll take uh, you with us if you if you uh, if you allow us to sexually assault you. Um, that's what they say in 
Patrick's own account. He, he, um, he gets on the ship, but doesn't do anything that they've told him he will have to do to earn his passage. It's uh, worded in a very um, clear, but um, very clear way. And he said his only hope for them was that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Already you can see at 21 years old that Patrick cares about people that aren't Christians. He, he wants to start churches. He's a church planter. He plants about 300 churches in his life, by some estimates. Um, so he cares about these men who are pagans and who are rapacious and, and wicked and evil and want to sexually assault him. But um, he uh, somehow it doesn't happen. And he instead... Uh, tries to care for them and their actual needs, which are become great hunger. They make it to land, but they have to go overland in a perilous march. After 28 days, the food runs out and they challenge him. They say, what about this, Christian? Is God all powerful? You know, if God, if your God's so powerful, can he give us food? Um, and there's no humans anywhere. There's no food anywhere. And he says, Turn in faith and all your hearts to the Lord my God, because nothing is impossible for him. And he gives this word of God to them, and a herd of pigs suddenly arrive. And they eat the pigs. He even says that the dogs that they have with them eat the, eat the, the pigs too. And they have a big feast. Um, and, all, and they were half alive, and they kind of came back to life in this event. They also found some wild honey, and they're told to, um, they find some wild honey, and they tell Patrick this honey, wild honey, was probably used as a pagan sacrifice to their gods of the woods. And um, Patrick says, no thanks, I don't need any honey. So he does not have a honey-baked ham at this occasion. He simply has the ham. Um, and that night, while he's sleeping, um, he has Satan tests him. After this big victory, um, he has avoided um, being sold, really, and used in, in sexual exploitation and enslavement. He's avoided that with these guys. He's fed them so that they haven't hurt him, as they have threatened him a number of times. Uh, and yet Satan tempts it and the, the, in the vision, an enormous rock falls upon him, and he lays there in the mud, paralyzed, unable to move with this weight of this rock. And he calls upon God, but the God that he calls on is, um, is the sun, Helios. Strange. Um, for Pat, Patrick doesn't explain this in his confessions, why he calls Jesus the sun. Perhaps he's making a, a reference to Jesus as the morning, as the sun that rises in the east. Our, our beliefs, about, beliefs about resurrection are that we face east because that's where the sun comes up when it comes to remembering Jesus' resurrection. Um, and the splendor of the sun rises upon him in the dark of night, and the weight of that boulder is lifted off him. Um, earlier, Patrick says in his confessions that he was like a stone, sunk in the mud, and God pulled him out of the mud and placed him on the top of a wall. 
God used his life that was down in the mud to become a part of the wall that God was building in God's kingdom. Um, He gets back to his family. And you can imagine that reunification after being gone for so long and suffering so much. And again, he is captured several years later. He's captured again by the same kinds of um, Irish raiders. And the first night, God speaks to him of his captivity and says, you're going to be with them for two months. And in two months, God freed him again. Um, while they were on the journey of to be sold into slavery, he is, um, God meets their needs. God gives them food when the slave raiders run out of food. You can see in some of these stories of the slave raiders the, the, um, the desperation that they are in. That um, even though they are the ones inflicting this horrible suffering on other people, um, it is not from a place of great prosperity. They are in desperate straits as well. Patrick recognizes this. Why would anybody risk their life to go and capture people far away in a dangerous ocean voyage and then take them back uh, to sell into slavery if they weren't already in a bad state? Um, we talked about this at Bible study. That where does evil come from? Why are people? Why do people abuse each other? What is the root of that? And the root of that is fear. Fear that there won't be enough. Fear that we have to take what we need before God provides it. And so he um, is delivered from this second captivity. Um, And again, he quotes scripture. He knows the scripture really well all through this. And that's what sustains him in his captivity because he doesn't have any scrolls, books, Bibles, nothing like that. Everything he has is in his heart. Um, Later, he goes, realizes that God is calling him back to Ireland. So again, he leaves his family, his parents. This is another tearing of his world. Um, He knows the cost of this. Um, And he goes back to Ireland. He doesn't talk a lot about this part of it, but he goes back to Ireland and is suddenly made a bishop. There already are Christians in Ireland when Patrick goes there. There's not many, but there are Christians in Ireland. There has been for a long time. Um, It's not like he brought Christianity brought Christianity to Ireland or anything like that. But he, um, he, he uh, starts to reimagine what that ministry would look like, and immediately they make him a bishop. They realize he's gifted in organization, and he's passionate, and he's doing the work. So he reluctantly becomes a bishop, um, and, or actually first a deacon, then a priest, then a bishop. But somewhere in his pre-deacon days, he confesses a very grave sin to another clergy person, to a priest somewhere in Ireland. Um, And we don't know what the sin was, but it was something pretty rough. Um, And again, this might speak to his survival. Um, When he is surviving as an enslaved child and young man, um, there is no doubt that he would have been forced to do terrible things and maybe in, a, in, a, in some form of survival, um, he did things that he regretted. I don't know. We don't know. He doesn't say what he does. But Patrick confesses this sin to somebody. When he's made bishop later, the same guy that he confessed this sin to starts talking about it to everybody and starts sharing it abroad and widely. 
to discredit him over and over and over again. Um, and, and this is a big chunk of Patrick's confession can, is about this kind of thing that's happening to him. I mean, he doesn't dwell a lot of time and space on his cap, two cap, captivities. Um, but this occupies a very big part of his spiritual journey because he, he realizes that, um, that it is this kind of thing that is the real spiritual war that he is engaged in. What the pagans do is their business, and they do awful things. But this is a fellow Christian, a dear friend of mine. Um, in one hour, when he was young, uh, before he overcame this weakness, I don't know, God knows, whether I was then 15 years old at the time, I did not believe in the living God, not even when I was a child. In fact, I remained in death and unbelief until I was reproved strongly and actually brought low by hunger and nakedness daily. Um, he doesn't say what it was, and we don't need to know. But it was used against him um, and to discredit him. This is also where God protected him. God brought him through all that. And it is through this weakness, through this vulnerability that he led. We know, we know that, um, that his church planting must have involved this kind of vulnerability and weakness. It was not done in a fiat kind of way, just commanding and ordering people around. It was building relationships with people. It was building community. It was teaching the stories of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the kind of things that he embodied as a Christian. And so um, he continued to plant churches for the remainder of his life. He says at the end, it's a long story, and to tell every deed of mine or even parts of it isn't enough. I'll make it short as I tell of how the good God often freed me from slavery and from 12 dangers that threatened my life, as well as from hidden dangers and from the things which I have no words to express. I wouldn't want to hurt my readers. God knows all things even before they are done. And I have him as my authority that he often gave me warnings and heavenly answers, me, a wretched orphan. He talks about how he was a a simple guy, a country bumpkin, he says a couple times, an orphan, and yet um, an inheritance, inheritor of all of God's riches, so that even people like him can be used by God to do the work of God. Uh, and so his missionary work continues, he describes that, but he always points to God. If Patrick were here today, he would want us to remember God's faithfulness to him and to the people of Ireland not so much his own accomplishments, his own deeds, and his own triumphs. And yet, they are inseparable with his character. They go together because our stories always go together with God's accomplishments. The things that have happened in your life that have been huge setbacks, that have knocked you down, that have left you like Patrick, out alone in the cold, in the dark, um, vulnerable and scared. Those, those kinds of things are the things where God... Uh, brings God's grace into, into our lives and shows us that we have a purpose. They forge, us, forge in us a resolution that no matter what happens, we're going to follow Jesus because that's what happened to Jesus. Um, so we thank God for Patrick today. Thank God for his witness and for the way he's commemorated um, around the world.
Almighty God, who in thy providence did choose thy servant Patrick to be an apostle to the Irish people, to bring those who were wandering in darkness and error to the true light and knowledge of thee, grant us so to walk in that way, that we may come at last to the light of everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I bind this day to me forever. Anyway, I'm having trouble uh, with singing it today, but that's the, um, I'll read it. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three in one, the one in three. I bind this day to me forever by power of faith, Christ incarnation, his baptism in the Jordan River, his death on cross, for my salvation, his bursting from the spiced tomb, his riding up the heavenly way, his coming at the day of doom, I bind unto myself today. I bind unto myself the power of the great love of cherubim, the sweet well done in judgment hour, the service of the seraphim, confessor's faith, Apostles' word, the patriarch's prayers, the prophet's scrolls, all good deeds done unto the Lord, and purity of virgin souls. I bind unto myself today the virtues of the starlit heaven, the glorious sun's life giving ray, the whiteness of the moon at, at even, the flashing of the lightning free, the whirling winds' tempestuous shocks, the stable earth the deep salt sea, around the old eternal rocks. I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead, his eye to watch, his might to stay, his ear to hearken to my need, the wisdom of my God to teach, his hand to guide, his shield to ward, the word of God to give me speech, his heavenly host to be my guard. Christ beneath me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. <laughs> 